Welcome back. It's the one o'clock hour. It's the Bill Michaels show. I'm Ben Kenny, hanging out with you for another hour on this fine Friday. Apparently it's nice outside. I'm looking forward to getting out there. Probably going to play golf this weekend. Uh, last, For some reason on the weekends, like I, I work all week. I'm in the office for many hours. For some reason during the weekends, then the weather decides to suck. 32 degrees last Sunday. Walked 18 holes. Felt like 28. It was a travesty. Right. Great time out there, but not, not great when it comes to weather. Looking forward to hopefully it completely turning uh, in the coming future. 877-867-1670. The round one of the NFL draft was last night. You got round two and three coming up tonight. You also at Brewers Baseball. Weekend set against the Angels, the 14 and 12 Angels, with, uh, believe it or not, a lot of their free agent moves have not really worked out yet, uh, except for Hunter Renfro's had a pretty good season for them. He's been going deep. What sucks about this series is Shohei Otani pitched last night, which means the Brewers, I guess it's good for the Brewers. Bad for my purposes. I wanted to go see him pitch. Angels uh, bringing in Tyler Anderson, Reed Detmers, and Jose Suarez. Just three household names. Build your schedule around them. Can't wait to to see that. I might try to make it down to Sunday's game to at least see Otani and Trout in action. But Otani not pitching. Big bummer. Would have loved to, to get out there to see that. So that's coming up this weekend. Uh, the NBA playoffs are continuing. I figure people don't want the NBA playoffs discussed after what happened with the Bucks this week. But those uh, will continue. I, I saw during the draft, the Celtics finally finished off the Hawks. Uh, so you got Celtics and Sixers and Heat Knicks, which is just hideous. It's a hideous series. No interest in, in watching any of it. 877-867-1670. You take your reaction to the NFL draft. Lamar Jackson also signed yesterday. Uh, yesterday afternoon before the draft. I was... I was going for a run before I came back into the office for uh, my show on the Badgers and then the draft show lasting into the night. And, and I saw the notification on my phone. And my first thought when they signed Lamar, which I figured was coming after they signed Odell, not something that I don't think they would have done if they were going to have to gut the roster when everybody wanted out after Lamar didn't get signed. But I, Lamar's going to have to send Jalen Hurts a couple thank you notes in the mail. I think he gets a little more money, some some more like he's proven it for longer, I guess. Faced a lot more injuries, but Jalen Hurts setting a normal quarterback market after the atrocity that Deshaun Watson's contract and situation was. Lamar's got to got to send a thank you note, whether he negotiated it or whether he hired someone to do it. But they got him. Then they draft Zay Flowers, trying to bolster that that wide receiving core. I I have seen some, uh, oh, why don't the Packers try to do what the Ravens are doing? Zay Flowers, Odell, adding them to the receiver core. It's like, if there's any team that has sucked at getting good receivers in the building, it's Baltimore. There are many teams I would love to idle if I were a GM. I would love to do what the Seahawks do in the secondary. Always seem to have great corners, have a good eye for corners. The Eagles on the offensive line, even though the Packers are quite good at it too. Eagles on the defensive line. There, there are teams that do certain things well that you can, you can look up to them and, and try to replicate what they do. 
the Ravens and wide receivers is not a pair that comes to top of mind when I think about that. 877-867-1670. So you got round two of the draft coming up. Mike Clemens joins us in about 15 minutes to recap round one. Some of the guys I'm looking at for the Packers, uh, and, and good call from Vega Bonjani when we were hitting the top of the hour. There's going to be more moves throughout the offseason. And I, I think if, if you would have told me when the offseason started and the Aaron Rodgers crap was going on, that Brian Gutekinds would have swapped 13 and 15, gotten a second round pick, gotten what will be a 2024 first round pick for him, moved on, completed the succession plan, drafted an, an impact edge defensive lineman that, that I've loved in the draft, and then entered the second round with ammunition with two twos and a three to bolster the offense around Jordan Love, I, I would have said it, it's a great offseason so far. It, it's been a tremendous offseason. His hands were tied with the contract, which he did sign, obviously, but if you just look at this offseason, there weren't a lot of acquisitions they could have made. And they made some low-key ones in Tervarius Moore and some on defense, Eric Wilson. But I agree that you probably want to see a veteran receiver added. I think Corey Davis for the Jets could make sense once he he figures to get cut by the Jets. A veteran to add to the room, you still just need more bodies. You have two that have played legit snaps, Watson and Dobbs, neither of whom, by the way, stayed healthy throughout the entire season. You have Samori Torre, who's a seventh-round pick from Nebraska, who I like, but he had a couple catches last year. He had a touchdown against Buffalo, and and that's really it in the receiving room. So there still needs to be more added, but if the Packers come away tonight with a tight end, hopefully one that, that turns out to be great, but, but let's say they go Darnell Washington, who is Mercedes Lewis, Let's say if Mercedes Lewis took large quantities of steroids and then also could run really, really fast and catch, that's that's Darnell Washington. His ceiling is like like the Terminator, I've heard. But if you add him to the receiving core and you're able to add a receiver next to Watson and Dobbs and then go get a vet, so th- this could end up being, obviously it's a pivotal offseason off for Gutekunst. It's one where the, the roster has to be rebuilt it's one where you need a clear direction and obviously the ammunition's there to do it. It's a question of execution and maneuvering in the draft. If Brian Gutekinds has a great second round and gets two impact pass catchers at whatever position, I, I think we look back at this offseason as a potential springboard, depending on how good Jordan Love is, for the Packers reopening a window. Now, a lot more has to go right. And a lot more has to work out in terms of acquisitions and players getting better and a defensive coordinator maybe coaching better. But I I admire what Gutekinds has done this offseason so far and, and all the moves he has actually been, been able to make uh, as opposed to ones that just, uh, like, he wasn't able to enter the offseason like the Jaguars were last year, right? He can't just go sign all these free agents. He can't do what the Bears did, just throw money out. His hands are tied. And even with that, I, I think he's done a phenomenal job. 877-867-1670. So looking ahead to round two, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, one of the two I would love. 
Maybe you could throw Sam Laporta in in the, the third round. The second pick of the second round if, if you really need to. But really looking at one of the two top guys in Mayer in Washington for the tight end position. I'd love Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Get more speed there. I think now that you get into the third round, Brian Branch of Alabama could make sense if he falls. Safety. Start to shore up the secondary. It, it was it was nonsensical to take him in the first round. I, I'm glad that nobody really spoke about that being a real scenario with a poor safety class and with the, I would say, the lesser value of safeties compared to cornerbacks, compared to edge rushers. Uh, and then a caller brought this up, and I mean, I love it. Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. If you want to further shore up that defensive line, if he's somehow there in the third, or if the Packers feel good about a wide receiver they could get in the third, Keanu Benton would be terrific. Like you mentioned how do we immediately bolster the defense? Well, right now you have Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, and Devontae Wyatt as your starters along the line. Keanu Benton is your day one starting nose tackle. And that, if Wyatt becomes great, like they could go from having one of the worst D-lines in the NFL to one of the better ones if you slot Keanu Benton in there uh, and then if Van Ness hits and if Gary comes back. There are ifs there, but that could be a position that goes from a weakness to a strength pretty quickly uh, if that's the, the way the Packers choose to go. 877-867-1670 can take your reaction to the NFL draft. The Twitter question at Ben Z. Kenny, still 73% happy with Lucas Van Ness. I like to think some minds were changed today. People woke up, oh, needed in Jigba. Couldn't just, just could not fathom passing on him with him there. And as the day goes along, you, you read more about Van Ness and not only does it make sense for the Packers, but it could, could end up really proving to be a, a big time anchor of the defense type pick. And I went on a mini rant earlier. The run on wide receivers happened in the twenties. If, if Jackson Smith and Jigba truly was that good and, and he could be, I, I like him as a player, but is he that good or is he the most attractive of an ugly bunch of receivers? I think either are realistic, but okay. Could the Packers have traded back to 20 to get him? Sure. I would have liked that. Get extra picks. There were a lot of ways the team could have gone that would have, Made me feel fine today. Van Ness was my ideal scenario. In Jigba, I, I would have been fine with. A tackle, I would have been fine with. There are always a lot of avenues you could go. But in this case, it's like you're out at a at a bar and you have a, a certain favorite beverage. We'll say Spotted Cow for the just generic Wisconsin beer. And you, you're sitting at the bar and there's a long list of drafts, many of which you despise let's say, but there, there's one that you really want, but, but you say, okay, bartender, surprise me. You hand him a $5 bill and comes back and it's spotted cow and you're thrilled. That's the Lucas Van Ness pick to me. There were a couple, let's say some of the beers are just so, so fine. I'll drink them, but I'm not going to actively go out and, and order them. Let's say if I had a choice, that's what some of the other picks would be. That's what Luke, that's what Jackson Smith and Jigba would have been for me. That's what a tackle would have been. Uh, obviously a trade-up for Jalen Carter would have been ridiculous. 877-867-1670. Man, I'm, I, I'm looking at this first round. I cannot fathom how the Philadelphia Eagles were able to come off a Super Bowl season, 
see some of their defense leave and come away from the first round of the NFL draft with arguably the best player in the draft and Jalen Carter and then freaking Nolan Smith at 30. It seems so easy, but I don't know how other teams do it. It's unfathomable, somewhat unfair, but shout out to the Lions for enabling that, taking a freaking running back at 12, inside linebacker at, at 18. 877-867-1670. Some other, some other fun picks in the draft. Christian Gonzalez falling all the way to 17 with the Patriots. I know, and I, I take draft grades with a grain of salt. I, I know the draft graders, A-plus for the Patriots. They were all over that. Really, whatever draft grade is given, if you if it means your team did well, agree with it. If it disagrees with what you think, then ignore it. That's the approach I take. Unless you're the Lions. And again, you take an inside linebacker and a, and a freaking running back in the first round. But Mozzie Smith to the Cowboys, that's a fun fit. Kincaid to the Bills, if he truly is that that great receiver, that is also a, a pretty fun, fun situation there in Buffalo with Josh Allen. The run on wide receivers just uh, continues to puzzle me. But I, maybe the best of them is Quentin Johnson when it's all said and done. And passing on Smith and Jigba, like if Smith and Jigba's hamstring problems prove to be that bad, then the Packers could have dodged one of the biggest bullets we've seen. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. So round two of the NFL draft coming up tonight. Two and three Packers with three selections. Let's do this. We got Mike Clemens on the horn. We'll step away. We'll bring him in when we come back. Recap night one of the NFL draft from Green Bay and a lot more. It's Ben Kenny in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. With the 13th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Lucas Finesse, defensive end, Iowa. There it was. Last night, Packers take Lucas Van Ness. As you heard from a caller earlier, the worst thing he saw during the draft was the Jonas Brothers being interviewed immediately after the pick and a lack of uh, analysis of what Van Ness brought to the team. That's something I'll have to run up the rungs of, of larger management when it comes to NFL broadcasts. Joining us now, though, Mike Clemens is here. He was up in Green Bay last night. Mike, I, I want to start your – what was your first reaction to when you heard that Van Ness was going to be the pick? Uh, a typical safe Packers pick. Because um, I, I remember talking to that kid at, uh, at Combine uh, when they brought out uh, that group of, of players that day. And, I, I, you know, here's, the, here's the first, my first couple of thoughts. First of all, I, just walking in back here at Lambeau Field in the daylight, you can see the new Packers coaches' offices and the underground parking structure that they're building on the east side of the stadium. It's like it's the size of a major high school. It's just huge. And I'm thinking – you know, Aaron Rodgers, man, one more year and he could have had that underground parking, but he, he chose he chose to move on, or they chose to move on. Um, and then we get into last night's draft, and it just starts to sink in. And and the thing is, is that as the players were coming off the board last night, and then Howie Roseman, that 
the GM of the Eagles, he, tr- he trades up, and I don't even know what he gave up. That doesn't matter. A fourth-round pick. He gets, That's when he, it. When he, when he gets Jalen Carter, and if, you know, when every draft I go, okay, yeah, that's nice, that's interesting, because I don't really turn on uh, my recorder until I see him here on a football field because there's so many changes that happen when they go from high school to college to the NFL. If they're with the right coach, if they're with the right teammates, uh, you know, sometimes average players become great. Often great players in college are too hyped up and they just become average. So I'll wait until they, they come here and I get to watch them in practice and run around the field and compete for a job at the NFL level. But if the scouts were right about Jalen Carter, that he, in fact, was the best player, this is one of these turnkey moments for a franchise. If he's the next Aaron Donald, Ben, then the Eagles are going to their third Super Bowl in, what, six or seven years. Meanwhile, Mark Murphy's sitting there still waiting. He's, he's been, it's been since 2010. They've gotten a lot of conference championships. But, you know, the big move that the Packers made so far – was moving on from Aaron Rodgers. And now they're just back to a quarterback. I don't know if he's really going to be a Super Bowl quarterback, but a, a functional quarterback. And they're going to try and improve it, put a team around him. But it reminds me of 2006. You know, because the moments that you're looking for are like 30 years ago when you make the right move and you get Ron Wolf as a GM and he does something. He makes a big gamble. His first move is to give up a first round pick for a third string quarterback with the Falcons. And once you get Brett Favre and you start improving and Mike Holmgren starts showing that he's turning around a program in green Bay, that's how you're able to sell Reggie white into coming to green Bay. And once you get Reggie white, now you win a super bowl. Now you turn the thing around. Then in 2005, Mike Sherman was a bad GM, bad talent scout. And then Ted Thompson came in to clean things up. And in that transaction, they went 4-12. and And then they got a great draft pick out of it. They had to fire Sherman. They had to bring in a, a new coach in McCarthy and a brand-new coaching staff. And now you got, you've got the highest pick you've got. Last night at 13, uh, that's, that's really high for Green Bay. I, I, that just doesn't happen. So the last time they had this moment was when they had the number five pick. In 2006, after that whole horrible 4-12 and season. And what were they trying to do in 2006? Get Brett Favre a Super Bowl. All right? Let's, let's get Brett Favre a Super Bowl. That's what the, and so what do they do? They got A.J. Hawk. Good player. Franchise leader in tackles. He was on your Super Bowl team. But the reason you got to Super Bowl of, uh, 31, uh, or to, to the Super Bowl 45, rather, in 2010 was because eventually later you would get Charles Woodson in free agency, and two years later you drafted Clay Matthews. It was Clay Matthews and Charles Woodson that were the two studs on the Super Bowl-winning team that beat the, the Steelers. A.J. Hawk, great player, but here's who, they, here's who they passed on. Mario Williams, who was a good defensive end, but he, he, you know, he wasn't the next the Reggie White or J.J. Watt. Um, pretty good career. Reggie Bush, Vince Young, you know. DeBrickishaw Ferguson, long-time tackle for the Jets. The next player to go in the draft was Vernon Davis. Now, Brett Favre could have had some fun with Vernon Davis. 
And there's other players that they passed on, too. Chad Greenway went to the Vikings. Uh, you could argue maybe he would have been a better linebacker at that time than, than A.J. Hawk. And it wasn't until you got – well, here's another guy they passed on, Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> that would have helped out. Or Joseph Adai, who was a running back for the Colts that helped get Peyton Manning his first Super Bowl uh, when he was with the Colts. It wasn't until later in that draft that you also got – truly got difference makers. They got Darren College, who played left guard in the Super Bowl for him. But they got Greg Jennings. And in that – also that draft in the second round went Devin Hester. He helped the Bears get to a Super Bowl. Or Andrew Wentworth, who had a long career at left tackle for the Rams and got them eventually to a Super Bowl. Maurice Jones-Drew. So the point is, last night's first round, unless you didn't get Jalen Carter, who knows what anybody really got. And maybe tonight is even more important. That's where you might get a Greg Jennings-type player, right? Yeah, that's the focus. I mean, I think what makes me feel good about the pick, Mike, and this is what I've talked about today, is that the board has fallen in a favorable way position-wise. The tight ends are still there. The safeties are still there. The wide receivers, some of them are still there. So I, I came away from last night feeling really good about both the player they got and maybe even a comparison to Clay Matthews when you talk about upside, when you talk about, okay, he might be raw, but we like what he can be. The Rashawn Gary comparison I've heard made a lot. Uh, but, yeah, tonight I think is really important. The only criticism people have is that it wasn't a weapon. But the beauty is two second-round picks, a third-round pick. Tonight is the night where you get all that done. And, you know, even from some of the stuff that you've talked about on this show with Bill, and even some of the things that I'd studied up about Van Ness, I almost got the feeling that I knew some more things about Van Ness than Brian Goodkins did. And you've got to remember that Gutekind is simply reading numbers off a board, and you're sticking to the board. And, and you, you've got your impressions, and you help put together that board. But if there was 32 picks last night, the Packers most likely only had about 17 or 18 guys that they thought were worthy of a first-round pick. And so when you get down to 13 – and he said, "Yeah, you know, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna do the, the Eagles thing and trade up and grab somebody. Apparently, just let the board fall, hang on to those other picks for day two and day three, and now there now you look at it, you look at all your numbers and say, we love this guy's potential. He's 21 years old. We like uh, his growth. We like really like his attitude, and we think he'll be continue to be an ascending player. Let's take Van Ness." You know, an average kid out of Iowa because we think he could be a. You know, are you familiar with Aaron Campman? The name um, is familiar. A, yeah, he's a longtime defensive end, and then they later tried to make him a stand-up outside linebacker. Uh, the Van Ness kid reminds you a lot of Aaron Campman, who was a who was like an AJ Hawk, you know, good player, good player. But is he a difference maker? Is he going to? going to be a you know a, a, a cornerstone of a of a Super Bowl franchise team. So Goody was asked last night, does he still feel good about what's available in the draft tonight? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the board held up strong. I feel good about tomorrow. Um, it's always uh, you never know, but uh, I feel good going into these uh, next two days. As he should, Mike, I think. Uh, the tight end position being probably the most prominent one out there. They said goodbye to both of their really impactful tight ends last year, and now you only see Dalton Kincaid go in the first round. I think that's a best-case scenario. 
Yeah, and, and here's another thing is that we talk about these these players that make the difference, whether you got Favre on one side and Reggie the other, whether you got Aaron Rodgers in his second or third year as a starter uh, to take you to a Super Bowl with the help of Clay Matthews, a veteran like Charles Woodson. Um, last night, this discussion came into Google because it's like, okay, let's take a step back. You guys had a first-round pick again, and 12 out of the last 13 times – you go defense, and you know defense was okay last year. It, it, it wasn't the terror of the NFL. People, there's, the jury's still out on Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator, um, and and you went defense last night. So he said, you know, as the Packers continue to invest a lot of high draft picks and free agency moves, like the Smith brothers, like Adrian Amos in the defense, how high are his expectations for this defense? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, we have high expectations for that group, um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, obviously Rashawn's coming off an injury, and um, but we have some young players that are really coming into their own. I mean, I think we're all excited to see what Quay can do, you know, Devondre Campbell, um, you know, we've had Jaws been, you know, playing at a premier level for a long time, so, um, you know, Eric Stokes is going to be coming off an injury too, so getting all those guys back and really letting them go, I think we're, I think we're, we have very high expectations. Um, they're a good group of guys, but you know there's so much work to be done between now and, and in games. Um, but um, yeah, there's there's definitely high expectations. But um, I mean, that's you know we wouldn't have it any other way. Mike, I think that's my favorite question and comment from the night. I, I played it earlier. That's I, his actions are already putting Joe Barry on the clock, publicly mm-hmm. saying how high his expectations are for the defense and how talented he thinks it is. Joe Barry's on notice, and there's really no avoiding it. I think that's an excellent read on the situation, Ben. I think you're spot on. Uh, Let's do this. So I want to talk about Lucas Van Ness more specifically. Uh, Mike Clements is with us. We'll step away, take a quick break, come back, talk about the selection uh, and the time that the reporters were able to spend uh, talking with him via Zoom. That's coming up next. It's Ben Kenny in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Uh, obviously, 13th pick, we took Lucas Van Ness, uh, edge rusher from, from Iowa. Uh, really excited about it. Um, obviously, um, big man, powerful, fast, explosive, um, really big upside, and we're, we're really excited to get him. All right, we're back. Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny taking it up until two o'clock. Mike Clemens is here. Uh, Brian Gudikin sounds very excited when speaking of Lucas Van Ness. Mike, I don't think, even though he was the one who selected him, he could have rivaled my excitement that the Packers took him. Uh, you know that I spend questionable th- uh, my time. I spend my time doing some questionable things. One of them is watching every snap of Iowa football, and I like I love the player. I'm no talent evaluator. But I, from what I was able to see, uh, it, I, I'm excited for this kid. Uh, he busts out, man. And in big games, you know, like even against Ohio State, or he gets a couple of blocked punts. Oh, he um, destroyed Wisconsin, and that's part of where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, I think I saw from a couple years ago where he sacked Burtz, but then everybody did, didn't they? And yeah, I think everyone that had was a last year. Yep. Yeah, he toasted the right guard. I have the highlight in my text messages, and I elected not to tweet it. <laughs> it's not good, Mike. So, so, um, so here's a story. Um, he comes from a 
financially successful family. They live in, he's going to Barrington High School, Barrington, suburb of Chicago. Um, they reach him with his family. He didn't go to Kansas, uh, to Kansas City for the draft. They reach him with his family at the, the family's second home in Fontana. Fontana's in the Lake Geneva area, ladies and gentlemen. It's a very nice, as a matter of fact, uh, one TV reporter told me last night, because I know where that place is, those are really nice houses. So he comes from a financially successful family. And it looked like it was maybe his sister's around him there. And then the brunette, you tell me, was uh, that's Cole Komet's sister? Sources uh, indicate that is the case, yes. Frankie, Frankie Komet. Cole, who's, who's just such a great, you know, Chicago Bear guy from Chicago, great tight end, very marketable, by the way, for whatever it's worth. You know, uh, Lucas Van Ness is very marketable as well. I mean, he's, he's going to be a great, you know, handsome kid, handsome kid. So he not only plays football, but he really likes hockey. And as a matter of fact, you know, he wasn't so much a Bears fan. He was a Blackhawks fan. He was a kid growing up watching the Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup, all right? But Kirk Ferentz, who Goody has said over and over again, you're not the only one that watches the Hawkeye program. The Green Bay Packers do. As a matter of fact, they've taken – is it six defensive players from Iowa over the years, particularly during the time that Kirk has been the head coach there? So, in other words, the Packers are saying Kirk does a great job of recruiting. He does half the work for you. And then you watch how these kids develop under him, and then that's where, you know, Green Bay gets themselves, you know, left tackles and the defensive linemen and on and on and on. So, uh, so he – he gets into Iowa, and he puts on uh, like 40 or 50 pounds to get up to 272. He's six foot five. He's still only 21 years old, and now he's a, a damn first-round pick, 13th overall for the Green Bay Packers. So to me, I'm thinking, all right, well, this is, I don't know if this is, this is not a ready-made player. This is kind of like a Kenny Clark story. He's a kid, and they'll throw him in there. But, you know, he's only going to get better over the next two or three years. So when we got onto the Zoom call with him, I said, you know, you're 21 years old and a first-round pick. What's the first thing you want to do when you get to Green Bay? From the get-go, my goal was to come in and learn from a veteran and, you know, really learn what it means to be a pro. And uh, I'm just so happy I have, you know, some veteran guys to look up to and learn after, and I can't wait to get in the building and meet them. I like the Kenny Clark comp mike I, the rashawn gary one's kind of a layup as well right he's he's athletically really gifted coming out of michigan in gary's case but raw and had to grow in and blossom and in the beginning a lot of people thought gary was a bust clearly has turned into a phenomenal player it's it's kind of a layup but that feels like the comp that feels like what we want lucas van ness to become is a gary type player just hopefully it happens quicker and there was some injury concerns for Rashawn Gary coming out of Michigan. Right. And, you know, the the word from the scouts were, well, you know, so maybe Rashawn Gary's uh, stats coming out of Michigan weren't that great, but do you know how many times the guy had to be double teamed? How much he was, you know, wrecking offensive lines, letting other guys step up and make the play? Now, uh, there was one moment where I got to Goodikins at the end of the night, and I said, uh, clearly I see a guy that they think is going to project, that they're projecting. I says, what did you see in this Van Ness kid that convinced you that once he gets to Green Bay, he's going to work as hard as he can to grow and improve once he gets into this building here? 
Besides his physical growth at Iowa and his academics, is there one other story that you can think of that convinced you that when this kid gets here, he's going to work at it every day and take it to the next level? Yeah, I think certainly in the um, through the fall and then our, our kind of our pre-draft process in, in February, um, you know, he was one of the, the premier edge rushers in this class. Um, you know, for me, we, we saw him at the Combine, and that was very impressive. Um, I was at the Iowa Pro Day, um, and I think, you know, it's no different than um, a lot of these guys. It just helps. That all helps it come together. Um, and then, you know, he's the, uh, the character of the, of the guy really checked out. You know, I mean, he's a culture guy for us. He's a fit here. Um, you know, I think he's, uh, he's, he's a worker. You know, it's, uh, it's really important to him. Um, and I think that, uh, that always gives you comfort because, you know, whatever talent he has in his body, if he'll work, he'll get there. First of all, Mike, I, I've been saying forever that more Big Ten West players need to be shown on a national spotlight. Uh, but second, I, people have brought up his lack of bench press reps at the Combine, which I think is so 17? 17, which I think is so incredibly stupid. If, if a kid can come into Iowa at 220 and gain 50 pounds and dominate at a position that he was able to get to because of said hard work and weight gain, who cares how many times he lifts up a bar with weights on it? I've seen him bulldoze Peter Skaronsky enough times to know that that dude is power. Um, and the, the other thing I will look for the tape is, I mean, he wraps up on people. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, it's I Big mean, Ten West I mean, football, he, Mike. He you know? swallows them. He <laughs> swallows them. And that's what you want is, is a guy that's not going to let the quarterback jump outside. If he gets an arm on you, you know, he's going to pull you in and you're going down. So the other thing about this kid is, you know, Barrington High School, good school, and he had, he had good grades. So coming out of that high school, I said, why, why did you – I knew that, that Minnesota was interested in him. I know that Illinois was going after him. I said, why did you end up committing to go to Iowa? You know, I had a crazy recruiting process. You know, I uh, post-junior post year in January, I went to my first ever training session. And uh, from January 1st until, uh, you know, mid-summer in June, you know, I was committed. So I had a quick six-month process. Um, you know, I uh, started gaining traction. I went to a few camps. You know, that summer I went to Lindenwood. Uh, I did a camp at Iowa, Iowa State, and Minnesota. Um, and, uh, you know, I started receiving offers everywhere I went. Um, and it kind of started out small, you know, with the, both the, uh, the Air Force and Naval Academy. Um, I got all the Ivy Leagues just, you know, because I had pretty good academics in high school. Um, I had like a 3.7 GPA coming out. Um, and then uh, went to Iowa, received an offer from Iowa like at the camp. Same with Minnesota, um, Illinois. And basically – I, uh, I took a, an official visit just to Iowa because, um, you know, coincidentally, you know, both my parents actually went to Iowa State, um, but they're huge Iowa fans. I went to Iowa games when I was little, uh, you know, touching helmets um, on the sidelines. And uh, I just loved, you know, that they took a chance on me. Um, you know, I loved, uh, uh, you know, that Coach Ferentz has been there for 20, you know, plus years and the stability they had in the program. Um, you know, Coach Parker uh, develops players and makes them into NFL-style players, uh, which obviously worked out for me pretty well. Uh, and I just knew what I was getting. And, uh, you know, from the moment I stepped on campus, I fell home, and I'm very happy that I went to the University of Iowa. Uh, maybe I myself am not as thrilled that he went to Iowa. But, I, listen, Mike, I love the high school recruiting process, generally speaking, and I love watching it play out during the draft. 
because the top of the draft often is consensus five stars. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Broderick Jones, um, Paris Johnson, for instance, the the kid at Ohio State who went to Arizona. Lucas Van Ness was a three-star. And uh, if it's because he he picked up football late or focused on it late and didn't really go all out in the recruiting process, like that's how those kids slip under the cracks. And that's what makes or what made Wisconsin great until they started to struggle with it. But that's what makes Iowa so awesome. And that's how they get these kids. And that's how they suddenly become these great NFL players, which they've kind of become that Iowa, at least for me, is on defense. It's like if you pick a kid from Iowa, you know he is dependable. It's like what Wisconsin was before uh, it went downhill a bit. Yeah, another thing is that uh, if you are blessed to come from a financially successful family, right. but your goal is to be a professional athlete, that you know they can send you to. I mean, I started listening to some of these other camps that he's been at, and and that you know where he's invested in his body and in his technique, um, and he's making the best of it. There's there's kids that come from poor sections where agents will pick them up and say, look, I'll pay for it because I think we can get you, you know. We can get you into the NFL, the NBA, whatever. But um, I also had picked up that he had been working out in Thousand Oaks at that uh, agency where, you know, Clay Matthews used to go there all the time, David Bakhtiari, the guys from L.A. As a matter of fact, Kenny Clark told me he was going back there. Thousand Oaks is north of L.A. It's, it's just a few blocks away, actually, from the Rams facilities up in the hills of Southern California. And so I said to Lucas, so did you work out with those NFL players like Kenny Clark and the others? And, and listen to what he told me. Yes, I was in a thousand Oaks, California and outside of Kenny. I mean, uh, although no more, uh, Aaron was, uh, Aaron Rodgers was there in the facility as well at the time. Um, so I, you know, spent a lot of time between them two. Awesome. Awesome. I would like oh. to, I would like <laughs> to keep Lucas Van Ness away from Aaron Rodgers during the off season. So listen, so that means when you after you've been to the Senior Bowl and it's January and February and you're trying to get your body in shape for, for the combine, uh, Mr. I was 90% going to quit, not play football, and go to my darkest retreat. He was working out with the other guys, Aaron Rodgers was. Huh. Imagine that. Hmm. How about that? Interesting. I just, I, I'm going to willfully uh, not try to learn all the details and uh, <laughs> view it like I'm excited to see how it plays out with the Jets, and, and we're going to talk about it next, but I like to view this from afar. It's been somewhat frustrating with it being our backyard that's been the focus in that regard. Uh, it's the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Ben Kenny, taking it up until 2 o'clock. We will close it out. Mike Clemens is here. Some Aaron Rodgers talk coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Season, and... I'm excited about being here. I expect to be here uh, for the duration of the offseason. And I'm excited to get to know my new teammates and the coaching staff and the organization. And, and obviously, I have a background with Coach Hackett and that offense. But um, I'm excited about just diving in and being a part of uh, this group and getting to know some of the names of uh, my teammates. And also, I'm excited about working with all you guys. I've heard a lot about the New York media and excited to see what that's all about. Oh, give me a break. Uh, that's Aaron Rodgers meeting with the media in New York. Mike, I thought the most ridiculous part of that entire press conference uh, with ridiculous moments, they had him come into walk-up music and they made people clap for him. They made the media clap for him. What a, what a complete joke.
And I wish I had 20 minutes to rant about that, but I don't. But that's an embarrassment. Well, let me t- let me tell you. Um, I, you know, there's there's a, there is a line of objectivity, and especially you know the newspaper guys are that way, and I I'm not. I I, I worked with Aaron Rodgers, if you will, for 18 years. Okay, and and so it's a working relationship in, in my estimation, and I'm just here. You know, I will be critical of what happens on the field, and then if there's some egregious thing that happens off the field, whatever. Now, if Aaron Rodgers was having his last press conference and we knew it, and he stood up and said, thank you guys, this has been great, I would probably applaud that. But not that situation yesterday. That's ridiculous. And to tell the media, hey, guys, we need you guys to applaud when Aaron walks in, that's just that's awkward. That's just awkward. 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 Uh, bad news. But uh, yesterday, you guys were talking about Aaron. Aaron his balls and- very inflated. Yesterday, guys, you guys were talking about Aaron and Zenith watches, and it was—that's what it's actually pronounced, not Zenith, like the old TV. And this is an, this is an interesting thing about what it's like to be around Aaron. So, year before last, you know, it was getting to be toward the end of the year, and we said, "Hey, you know, what do you think of doing? What's your next adventure? Dalai Lama, you know, under in a cage with sharks?" And he says, "You know, I, I, there's this switch, uh, uh, this uh, Swedish um, clock manufacturer." watch manufacturer that I've been interested in. I, I may go over there in the off season and check that out. So about a year ago at this time, I wake up like on a Sunday morning and someone had taken something he posted on Instagram, which I don't follow that much, but said, here, Aaron Rodgers has got this picture. He's standing in front of a unique modern building with rainbow colors across it. And I'm thinking, all I could think is, Oh, I'll bet you this is the, the Swiss watch trip. So I spent a couple hours on a Sunday morning finding that building, seeing where it's located, and then I find this Zenith watchmaker, and it's in this little village in Switzerland. It's been there since the 1890s, and they make some of the best watches, if not the best wristwatches in the world. So I had a moment uh, to ask him about that last fall. I said, so tell me about that trip. He goes, oh, he said, this is, and this is, this is what's interesting about the guy. He goes out and explores these things. He said. He said. It's, he says. I was there for two or three days. I watched the different stages. How they make these things. He goes. And Mike. He goes. Those watches. He goes. They're they're self made, self winding. And on one day a week, every seven days for twelve hours, the watch shuts off while it recycles itself, getting ready for the next week. And I thought. And you I don't pay thirty five thousand. You pay thirty five thousand dollars for this. Why would you want a watch that shuts off on Sundays for twelve hours? And, and he said, but they're amazing, he said, that these watches. And this is where, as smart as a guy is, there was other times where, like, he's still a football player. Because I said, you know, Aaron, why would you spend $35,000 on a watch that could last 100 years? I mean, why would you want to wear a watch that's going to live longer than you? And he thought, oh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, but that's. You know, that's the cool part about Aaron. He's got all these interesting things that he goes out and explores. But at the same time, it's like, okay, how about getting under center and hitting Lazard when he's wide open over the middle? You know? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, he's out there. They're posting videos, Mike. He's practicing. Yeah. I mean, the Packers' faces. What a bunch of PRBS that was, right? (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, the Jets are just getting ready for the PR disaster. They're they're pre-prepping. They want people to be happy before it gets bad. Um, before we let you go, Mike, uh, tight end, wide receiver tonight. You see some weapons uh, off the board real quick. Yeah, but they really got a needed safety. And I asked Gutekinds about this the other day, and he admitted Adrian Amos has moved on from this franchise. So they got a big hole to fill back there at the back end of their secondary. Yeah, they got to Brian Branch is on the board from Bama. Got some options there. Sidney Brown at Illinois. I, I love Big Ten West guy. Yeah. Uh, but, Mike, we will reconvene on Monday. Recap the weekend. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it, pal. There he is. That's Mike Clemens. Bill will be back on Monday. Until then, have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the draft. See ya.